everybody. Welcome back to Paradox Culture. We're so glad that you're here. Paradox Culture is a podcast about when our words don't always say the same thing that our life does. And welcome to Season 2, Episode 2. We are so excited about today's episode. It's going to be very uh, challenging and interesting, I hope. Uh, this actually, this episode, you know, a lot of times when we talk about paradoxes, we, you know, are are contrasting two thoughts and the way we live our lives are different than that thought. But today we're going to do a little bit of that, but it's really talking about more of the paradox culture, culture part than the paradox part. Right. So um, I'm excited about that. The day's episode is called Satan, Hell and Society. So Satan, Hell and Society is what we'll be talking about today. But as always, we start with our warm-up question that Philip doesn't know about, and I always try to catch him off guard as we banter in tomfoolery about <laughs> things that we think. But today is a little bit of a twist. Um, I always liked would-you-rather questions. Oh, okay. So I heard this the other day, and I thought, wow, that's a very interesting <laughs> would-you-rather question. And because sports have kind of started uh, you know, getting some momentum coming back, um, I wanted to bring this question to us. A would you rather question about sports? So are you ready? Okay. Yep. Here we go. Would you rather play against your sports hero or meet him? Now, when you play him, you're in your prime. He's in his prime or <laughs> her think, prime. I don't think my prime really matters. That's at true. This point. Yeah. Um, man. But I guess I'd rather play against them. I mean, because then I get to say like. I actually played with that person. Right. So who is it? Who it you, uh, who you, what are you doing? Sports hero. A hero is a weird word. I yeah. Mean like, okay. Sp favorite like the, sports person. The person I think person. is like the best sports person ever um, would probably be, I mean, not, he's not the greatest ever. I, that's Michael Jordan. But of my course. favorite person ever that I would love to like play basketball with would be Tim Duncan mm. off of the San Antonio Spurs. Yes. You yeah. would never score a point. I would never score a point. I would never get a rebound. <laughs> I would probably not touch the ball. He would have to let me start with the ball for me to even do uh, anything. But yes, uh, yeah, Tim Duncan would be my choice. How about you? Yeah, I've, I've, of course, knowing this question was coming, I was thinking, I was like, because I football is my first love. I love football yeah. more than any other sport. So I was like, man, who would I want to play against in football? Because that could be like life altering if I pick the wrong person. That's true. <laughs> so, <laughs> you could die. Uh, but then I was like, okay, well, so I don't know. Deion Sanders has always been okay. one of my favorite sports hey, figures. He's a monster. So um, I think it would be really die. cool to go against Deion Sanders. <laughs> I played receiver in high school. I know you might not be able to tell that by the body shape now. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, so that would be that would kind of be fun. He to would say, crush you. Oh, I would never even get, like, close to the <laughs> ball. But uh, it would be fun to try to yeah, no, catch a pass I think, on I think Deion playing Sanders. would be more fun than, like, yeah. just meeting them. You know, I've heard it said before, you never really should meet your heroes or your favorite people. Yeah, you know, you. they'll disappoint you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like, would I mean, just walking up, having that, you know, one minute to two, let's say maximum five-minute interaction versus actually playing a game or a sport against them would be fun. Yeah, knowing I'm going to lose and knowing oh I'm yeah. not going to do well. I, that's okay. I can live with that. But I get to say, man, I get to play basketball against Tim Duncan. Yeah, that would be awesome. And get destroyed. <laughs> so, cool. Good question. <laughs> yeah. Think about that. Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you on our so social media platforms. And uh, it would be interesting to hear what some of the what some of the fans, what some of the followers' comments and uh, 
response to that question would be. Now, thank you for responding. Many, some of you have responded to the beach versus pool question and uh, <laughs> gotten some funny responses t- to that. Um, all right, so let's dive right in today. We got a lot to cover, a lot of ground to cover today. So probably going to talk a little faster than normal. So if you, like me, when I listen to podcasts, speed it up to one and a half times, it's going to be really fast today. <laughs> so, um, all right. So as we said, today's episode is about Satan, society, or Satan, hell, and society. Satan, hell, and society. And here's what, you know, has been interesting. 2020 has been a crazy year, still continues to di- not disappoint as far as crazy goes. Yeah. Um, you know, we're praying for our uh, the folks in Louisiana as they're dealing with that hurricane and um, all that coming, plus some of the unrest going on in our nation right now across the across the country. But um, one of the things I've heard commonly or I see commonly on social media is the comments from Christians about, wow, you know, Jesus is coming back. Because society <laughs> is going nuts right now. I yeah. mean, everything's falling apart. Every values that we founded this country on or, you know, whatever uh, people think about that. But, you know, just every, like, what would just seem like common sense, normal, regular Joe thinking seems to have been put on its head. And <clears throat> everybody's falling like the book of Judges, doing whatever's right in their own eyes, regardless of human thought, life, or worry of consequence. And so people are saying, well, well, Jesus is is coming back. I mean, he's coming back like next week. Yeah, it has to be soon, right? It's got to be soon. Life's just unbearable. Yeah, it's just crazy, (laughs) and the society has gone bananas, and there's no way he's not, the trumpet's not about to blow. Right. You know? But I look at this and I'm like, okay, all right, let, let's let's step back a minute. You know, while that may be true, because Scripture says, you know, Jesus even said, He says, only the Father knows right. when I'm coming back. You know, He says, only that, you know, only He knows. There's no, you know, predictions. Although we've seen those predictions come and go, but yeah. you know, nobody, you, you're not going to add up any kind of weird formula in Scripture based on numbers. That's <laughs> not going to work. Uh, that only the Father, God the Father, knows when he's calling his children home. But I, I, I step back and I go, okay, yes, society does seem to be turned upside down. But when I look at history, I see back in history, they dealt with the same things, even probably to a crazier degree than we did. I would say in our American culture deal with that we're dealing with right now. Yeah. Right now. I mean, we have brothers and sisters across the world who are being persecuted and are paying for their life with their life to be a follower of Christ. Yeah. Well, that was what I was going to say is I think, I mean, if you look <coughs> at just other countries, we're still not quite to some of that. Right. In a lot of ways. That's I true. Think we lose perspective of that because we're here. Yes. So our American culture has began to, we would say, as we look at American tr- Christianity or American culture, I don't want to say just Christianity, American culture um, has very much drifted from any G- Judeo-Christian belief yeah. um, that, that we were founded on as a nation. And especially in the last 20 years, this seems to have accelerated. But I would say, you know... Um, some of you might agree with that. Some of you might not. But, um, but 
this didn't happen in 2020. It wasn't like 2020 got here and it was like, oh, no, we don't believe in God anymore. Oh, no, we don't believe in prayer anymore. Oh, no, we don't believe in Jesus anymore. You know, yeah. we didn't just yeah. get here in 2020. Uh, in fact, I would I would venture to say that we have been steadily on this track for the last 40 years. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting, too, is I don't know why we as Christians are surprised about where we are. That's what's another funny thing to me. Oh, well, Jesus got to be coming back because I can't believe where we are. Well, why right. can't you believe where we are? <laughs> you know, because one, and I, and I don't want to beat up the church at all because the Christ died for us and sanc- sanctioned the church and said that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But I feel like the church fell asleep. I feel like the church, the big C church, not calling any one church out. Yeah. Um, fell asleep in America for the last 40 years. And then we wake up and we're here and we're like, how did we get here? Yeah. I'm like, well, I feel like we, we've, we fell asleep. When I say we fell asleep, what I mean by that is we've lo- we lost passion and focus to be disciples who make disciples. We lost passion and focus of the lost. Mm-hmm. We got comfortable. We became more about god and country versus just god oh yeah you know well i would say country and god i would even flip those words because i would say in a lot of sense like country has become more elevated to some degree and it and it wasn't like there wasn't any warnings like there have been men of god for the last century warning hey here's the trajectory of society right it started in europe transferred to the states and we just see this trajectory of the rejection of God completely. Yeah. And it's not like we we're just here. So like I said, there have been men of God warning us, just like the prophets in the, you know, look at the minor prophet books in the Old Testament. What is it about? It's about the Israel leaving the God, their father, leaving the God that ordained them to be his people. And they are constantly rejecting him and chasing after other gods. Yeah. So you have prophet after prophet after prophet that God sends to draw them back to himself. And in that same way, we've seen that over our, our, in our culture, in our nation. I wouldn't call them prophets necessarily, but preachers and teachers of the word of God saying, Hey, wake up, Christian, stop sleeping. We need to be about the kingdom of God, the business of the kingdom of God. And we just kind of fell asleep and lulled into our comfortability. You know, life is good. We're here in America where we are king of consumers. And, you know, now and now here we are. And we're like, we've got people rejecting even the identity of God on them. You know, uh, the simple identity of man versus uh, men versus female, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, that image of God that God placed on us as his creation. And we're like, how did we get here? Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, I mean, you talked about the prophets. I think you look at the book of Judges, you know, and there is this cycle <laughs> of, hey, they, they drift from God. They kind of come back. They're happy. Things get good. And then they kind of take advantage of God being merciful to them. Yeah. And they begin again. And then there's another judge that comes in and kind of reigns them back. And it's just this constant, like, we see throughout history, we see throughout scripture that 
humankind has this attitude of, hey, when things are good, like we're not going to worry about it, and we're right. going to kind of chase our own, you know, ideas and our own thing and what we wa- what we want and what we enjoy in our sin nature, and then you know someone comes and, you know, like you said, for the last forty years we've pr- kind of been down this path of. Hey, we're kind of just chasing what we want and doing what we want, and you know, we look at the ideals and the standard for which we have for our life as Christians. And yeah, a hundred percent, those things are beginning to kind of drift out of our culture, out of our society, you know. But uh, I, I think that it actually is a little bit of an encouragement in a way, because you know, there are these are the times when christians are tested this is when we really get to to see what we're made of Mm. you know are we going to be i mean and and we've seen it social media and all that stuff is crazy right now i mean we've seen plenty of people that we know that get on social media and it's like boy if you talked about jesus the way you talk about these political people oh yeah i would love to see what would happen and (laughs) and i know sometimes that as you if you're have been listening to the podcast for any length of time. You, we bring that up a lot because yeah. I feel like it's just so in our face right now. Especially right now. I but mean, I would even go to say, let's take it off, even just being that serious. If we're as passionate about the food that I post, oh yeah, or the vacation pictures that I post, one hundred percent. You know, yeah, and I mean, I just think we get so consumed with other things that if we were to apply our relationship with God in the same aspect how would it look in our lives and how how would our culture maybe be different so i would yeah. i agree i think that 40 year decline is is an image of man there have been some things that we probably have gotten lax on that we've not taken seriously and i told someone the other day you know the challenges are tough but the challenges show us what we're really made of when it comes to our life as a believer yeah i think it 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 does speak speak of uh, who will be the true followers, um, who will be the true believers. And, you know, Christ made no um, no exceptions. I mean, he said, you will be persecuted for my namesake. I mean, there wasn't like, you're going to be persecuted if, but if you do these things, you'll escape it. No, right. it was like, it's going to happen. Yeah, there's no way around it. Yeah. You're going to feel the pressure. And not only that, he called us as believers to take up our cross. Yeah. Daily and follow him. Yeah. Uh, whatever that cross may be. And I feel <laughs> like, you know, just looking at scripture, you know, when when Christianity is under scrutiny, I feel like it 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 grows the most. You know, it because the people who are serious are really like, okay, it's time to rock and roll now. Like we gotta figure out. I mean, you look at the disciples under the scrutiny that they were under when yeah. after Jesus is crucified, that is one of the largest growth periods of the gospel being spread. Right. Because you had a few that were dead serious about doing it and they took it that way and they said you know what in the in the face of of adversity in the face of death um, death in the face of persecution we still are going to do this and i think that hopefully you know those of us those of you that are watching and even me and you sitting here hopefully when the time comes we're able to step up and go you know what this is something worth worth continuing down this path for and almost not like even to the point where not is it worth it, but like there's not even a question in our mind absolutely I ho- that says it's gotta be we done. know it's worth it, 
there's Absolutely. so much at stake here, which we're going to get into in a minute, so I don't want right. to jump too far ahead. Um, but, you know, there's so much at stake. And I look at the Europe, Western European culture. Um, I've mentioned it several times. Al Mohler and his podcast, The Briefing, comes on every morning. I listen to it almost every morning. And he does such a great job of talking about Christian worldview in light of current current world events. Mm-hmm. And um, But a lot of his podcasts will talk about the erosion of <clears throat> just, I would even say the erosion and deception Satan is having, which we're going to get into, on society across all cultures and leading them to be deceived about who God is and that they don't need God and eroding who trying to erase the image of God that is placed on them. Right. And uh, so I, I really appreciate how he's bringing to light some of these things so that we know as a believer, this is kind of the mentality that I'm talking to now. Like not that, oh, yeah, everybody, you know, has respect for God now and everybody still because it's on our money. You know, it's, you know, <laughs> we, it's in our pledge. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, no, there is little to no respect or regard regard for the word of God or God as we know God. And um, so, you know, you look at Western Europe, they've had a steady decline and and to to a point that there's been generations now who have um, rejected the teachings of Scripture. Right. And now they're in what we call a post-Christian society, meaning that one time they had the word of God and now they've left the word of God and now they're like lost you know, yeah, they don't know. Like, you know, um, and, and, and some might say, well, we have churches and believers in Western Europe. Yes, of course you do. But just the way the society has gone is very post-Christian and rejects all of of God's word mostly uh, as a culture, not as individuals. Right. Um, so we see that happening in Europe. So even I just say to us here in America, like we can look across the pond and see the things that they're accepting, the think the progress that that society's making toward anti-God uh, or anti-Christian worldview, and and we're adopting some of those same ideals here of uh, secularism, and well, yet and, and it's not even called secularism; it's progressive. Yeah, and it's like this spin of like, oh well, you're not improving as a society, right, you're or not as evolving. A unless you're falling deeper into sin and that's i think important to look at right so and that's that's the that's the deception right it's yeah. like oh it makes you feel like wait wait i don't want to be stuck in old foggy land i want to be yeah. hip and cool and, and on the cutting edge yeah i mean with the times you yeah. know yeah so um i think it's it, i think history is repeating itself has been since the days of the bible absolutely and uh so i don't want us as believers to sit back and frankly, just a shot here. I'm tired <laughs> of seeing that. Like, stop being shocked. Stop being surprised, Christian, that society is the way it thinks and the way it is. Because Satan is real. He, he And the demons are real. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute after the break. We're going to dive right into that. Um, but don't, I don't want to, I want to hear that anymore. I don't want to hear, oh, I'm shocked. God must be coming back. Yeah. And I hope he comes back. Come quickly, Lord, please soon. But don't be shocked. Don't think God's coming back just because our society's turned upside down. Right. Because I look at the early 
days of uh, the early church. And, I mean, they had people being burnt as street lamps, Christians being burnt as street lamps. Yeah. We would hope that, I know they were saying, God, please come back. So why are we surprised? And here's a question I have, too. And then, and then we'll take a quick, quick commercial break. But I have a question. Are we, why are we, first of all, why are we surprised? I want you to ask yourself that, kind of reflect on that. Why are you surprised? And then secondly, for us American culture is, (coughs) are we more scared? Did you like that? That was a little country that came out there. Yeah, I was like, whoa, (laughs) what happened? (laughs) A little scared. A little twang on it. (laughs) You skirt. Are, Are we more scared, frustrated, are angry that this worldview will change our freedoms we currently have in our s- culture, our society, or are we more mortified that Satan's winning the ground war and taking more and more to people to hell with him? Mm. That's the question I want us to ponder. Are we more upset about our culture because it's seeming to reject who we are as believers trying to encroach on freedoms we've had in this country for religious freedom, right? right? Um, are we more scared about that, or are we more mortified that more and more people are headed straight to hell? So with that question and pondering, we're going to take a quick commercial break and then be right back for the second half of this. Uh, as the, we are in our commercial break, just want to tell you about a few resources. One uh, resource that we use for our church, and that is the Foundation's Reading Plan. Uh, it, it was written by Robbie Gallaty. It's on Amazon. You can pick it up there. It's a great tool, great resource, an easy way for you to get into the Scripture daily. I do not get any uh, kickbacks for this. I just want you to have a successful and... Uh, purposeful uh, daily time with God. So uh, that is my commercial for you. I want you to know about that resource. Um, Also, I want you to be joining us as we are praying as a church for our nation. Um, So continue to do that. Let's unite together as followers of Jesus to pray diligently daily for our nation and nations across the world for people to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Okay. We're back from commercial break, and uh, I just want you to know that as I was looking at these notes during that time, too, a uh, couple of verses I want to bring out as we we're talking about this and, and uh, Satan gaining ground and the winning the war um, maybe in our society. And, and in th- Matthew 16, 26 through 27 says, What good is it for one to gain the whole world but lose their soul? Second uh, Corinthians 5:10, all will appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and we're going to be talking about that, what that means, here in a minute. And then Mark 13, uh, 32 through 37, basically, it's it's talking about how we always need to be prepared. It's a parable about um, that is a parable about a, a, a house owner leaving. And his servants being prepared for his return, right? right? That's what that parable is about. But the the nutshell is, and the takeaway is, we need to always be prepared for Jesus' return. Right. So, as believers, I'm not upset with us thinking, man, Jesus, or praying for Jesus' return. I don't want you to think that, as we talked earlier. But 
we need to be on watch for his return and ready for his return. So um, there's a book that I, I'm reading, and, and uh, I've read it, parts of it, and then as I was preparing for this, I, I got dove back into it, and I was like, man, I forgot that this book is really good on kind of talking about what we've been talking about with society, the trajectory of society, and the decline of moral and spiritual um, of inclinations and spiritual um, desire to grow and learn spiritually from God and the rejection of God. And it's by it's called Onward by Russell Moore. <coughs> it's a great book. Uh, I, I'm going to put that in the show notes. You know, you can get it and put the picture of it so you know which one exactly it is. But the first um, chapter is Bible Belt No More is the title of that chapter. And he tells a story in that chapter about him being a Boy Scout, and he was trying to earn his God and Country badge for the Boy Scouts. And they went to tour some churches and stuff, and he said he soon realized that it was more about country and our duty to country than it was about God. And they actually went and, and sat before a pastor. Uh, I think it was his pastor. I might, I might have messed that part of the story up, but anyway, you can go read it. Um, but he was talking about it, how this pastor... They're sitting before him, his group, and they, could, they did the Q&A time. And so he, he goes and uh, wants to know from his pastor, he's like, this pastor, he's like, so, pastor, can people be demon-possessed? And he said the pastor kind of, you know, was always a kind of jovial, upbeat person. He kind of, like, jovially answered and kind of skirted the question. He didn't really give him a direct answer. And so that wasn't satisfying to him <laughs> enough I don't know how old he was at this time, but he said he he began to prod more, and he noticed uh, the pastor's demeanor kind of changed and got kind of frustrated because he didn't really want to answer the question. And basically, he embarrassedly and sheeplessly ended up answering the question. Well, we don't. I don't really believe in in demons or Satan. You know, that's <laughs> kind of maybe some hyperbole in scripture, and and just kind of dismissed it like that. Like you know, like. You know, the pastor knew the, and, and this is one of Moore's takeaways. He says he couldn't believe a pastor who knew the Bible, knew what the Bible said, but would re- reject the Bible's description of who Satan was right. and what Satan does in our society and the role he plays in our society. And he rejected all that because he didn't want to adhere to something that, what we'd say, secularism or normal society would be willing to accept yeah you know it was embarrassing like yeah i don't know that demon stuff is kind of weird <laughs> and i it just kind of stuck with me in the sun and, um and this is his quote from the book a quote from the book and i'm like yes this is what this podcast episode is about it says the signs of the times tell us that we are in the days our parents and grandparents never knew. We're, we're approaching as a society things that our, grandpa- our parents and grandparents never knew. But that's not a call for panic or surrender or outrage. Jesus is alive. Let's act like it. And I'm like, yes, that's what <laughs> this is about. Right. That's, that's kind of like the nutshell of this episode. So as we go a little further, let's talk about Satan because Satan is real. Um, I believe that Scripture gives us a very a uh, clear depiction of who he is and his role and what his limitations are here on earth. And I want to dive into that because if we believe Satan's real, 
then we can't be surprised that he's trying to take people to hell with him. Right. We can't be surprised that he's doing everything in his power to destroy people um, and deceive people. So we're going to dive into that real quick. And we're going to just go through some scriptures that talk about each one of the names. So Satan, devil, uh, are all names that scripture uses for uh, the fallen angel, angel Lucifer. And scripture is very clear about his role. So the first word, first ter- name he has is Satan. And that name means adversary. Get the, listen to this. This is the perfectly sums up his name. It actually sums up his role and what he's pl- the role he is playing right now. It means adversary both to God and man. Right. He is actively warring against God and man. 1 Peter 5.8, many of you are familiar with this scripture. 1 P- Peter 5.8 tells us what he is doing and is a warning. Peter is warning us as believers and society, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He's actively looking for people to deceive, to devour. Devour means destroy, you know. Um, he's not, he's playing for keeps. Yeah, yeah. And I think Christians have grown up, at least here in the South, you know, we've grown up with the understanding of Satan. And we kind of have this terrible visual that cartoons have put in our heads, <laughs> you know, yeah. where you got the angel on one shoulder, the devil on the other. Right. And he's just... Hey, let me do you make you do bad things. No, Satan's not here to make you do bad things. Be very clear about that. Satan is here to kill and destroy you. Right. And we have this false mentality. Or I don't think we take it seriously. It's enough. like this puppy attitude. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, Satan. Like, yeah, he's, he's here to, like you said, make us do bad things. Like, if I live a bad life, it's because of Satan. Like, we live a bad life because we are sinful. Right. But you're right. He's here to destroy us like there is an end goal for him that goes beyond us doing bad things and we i'm guilty i've laughed at some of those skits like i think about the dana carvey classic dana carvey (laughs) skit you know church lady where she's like oh hmm, satan yeah you know and everything that's it's kind of funny how he mocks that but it has eroded the mentality that and i don't want to say fear but caution we should have about who satan is Oh, yeah. Well, if you underestimate your opponent, he wins every time. Absolutely. So uh, Matthew uh, 4.10, Satan is, this is uh, Matthew 4, is where Satan, Jesus is in the wilderness and for 40 days and 40 nights, and Satan comes to him and tries to tempt him to uh, usurp his throne in heaven for power on earth. And so you can read that and how Satan appears, and he, and he tells them to depart from him. Um, an, okay, so the, that's that's one term for Satan, or Satan is a term for God's avater, adversary, Lucifer. I'll get it right in a minute. I can't tongue-tied <laughs> here. The second term we see in Scripture to describe him, the enemy of God, is the devil. And uh, Matthew thirteen thirty seven. 39 is the parable of the weed okay so he's giving this parable of who sows what right and it's talking about how God sows 
uh, the good w- the good fruit, the good wheat, and then the Satan sowing the weeds that choke out the wheat. And um, so this, I'm going to read this real quick. It says, verse 37, he said, and, and so basically the disciple, he gives the parable, and then the disciples are like, hey, wait a minute, Jesus. <laughs> I, didn't, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, help me understand this. And, this. and this is what he says in verse 37. He says, he answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man, Jesus. The field that they're sowing the seed in is the world, okay, society, the world. And the good seed and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is at the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. So in this verse, he mentions two things that are happening here. Because <coughs> there's another thing. We we think of, oh, well, it's Satan, we have the devil, and we have demons. But yeah, you know, whatever. You know, kind of downplay that whole stuff, but Jesus is explaining, no, this is real. The, these beings exist, and they are, are, are on a mission. <laughs> Me, the Son of God, who has come to save the world from its sins, to take the punishment of sin for all mankind, is here to sow good seed, and the sons of God who follow Jesus are, are part of that good seed. But the sons of the evil one and the devil himself are sowing the weed. And that they will be reaped, all seeds, all fruit, all the, well, as the seeds grow, all that's going to be harvested. Right. So um, we see that the devil is very prominently described there. John 13.2. During the supper, this is the, the, the last supper. During the supper, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So think about this. You're a disciple. You have been following Jesus almost for three years, every moment of his life. <clears throat> You've seen all the miracles. You've seen him do and be who got and prove who he says he was. Right. The, the son of God. But the devil had enough influence in his heart to betray him, to, to make him betray Christ. Right. Now, God is sovereign. That was all part of God's plan. But it just shows you the power of Satan. Yeah. Like, imagine you walking every day of your life. Not every day of his life, but, you know, for a long time, walking (laughs) every day with Christ. And Satan still had enough influence in his heart to pull him away from God. Um, Ephesians 6.11, talking about the armor of God. Right. You know, we put on the armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So, again, using that term, the devil, it's real. He's a real being. He is, has a real purpose. Yeah. Um, Lucifer. Lucifer is another name for the enemy of God, and it says this term, Lucifer, is means that he was the morning star. So this was kind of his name in heaven, right? Right, before. Before he fell. And... Uh, so he was a beautiful being, one of the God's top angels, and even calls was called the, like I said, Lucifer itself means morning star, and he's also called the angel of light. Mm-hmm. Uh, Isaiah fourteen twelve says, "How, how you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of the dawn! 
how you are cut down to the ground. You laid the nations low. And talking about Satan was thrown down to the earth, how he was cut down because he wanted to be God. Right. And he was cast out of heaven. And he took a third of the angels with him. These, again, just like Judas Iscariot, these people were in heaven. I mean, this, these beings the are beings, in heaven. Yeah, <coughs> yeah correction, beings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not people. We're in heaven in the presence of a holy, righteous God. And they fell Still. to wanting to overthrow that and to be who they wanted to be in charge, be take over power and reject God the Father which ultimately will result in their destruction right. and their eternal punishment. Uh, 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen through 15. Such men are false po- prophets, deceitful work- workmen, disguising themselves as apostles. This is talking about false teachers. Disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Uh so it's no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will compromise their deeds. So as Satan influences people, he he does it. You know, that's that's the such the thing I think we're like, oh, yeah, I'll, I could see things from Satan coming my way. I'm not scared of him. <laughs> but he is so deceptive. Well, you look at these scripture verses we've been reading. He's he's planning. He's deceiving. He's scheming. So like he is behind the scenes working diligently to do things right. and to say that well you know like i'm not worried about it or you know we, we talked about the the scripture reference of putting on the armor of god preparing for the schemes of the devil like we need to prepare to just walk you know brashly just into life and just go well you know like everything will be okay everything will be fine i'm not too concerned about it you know that is just silly it, it's foolish and you know we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't, pre- I mean, think about this podcast, you know, we're here, we prepare, we look at notes, we have outlines, we make sure we know what we're talking about. We prepare for something like this. You prepare and study for tests. Those of you that play sports, you, you, you practice, you go and you make sure you're getting better so that you're prepared for the challenge that's coming your way. But we walk into our spiritual life and we're just like, well, you know, like, I'm not going to read scripture. I'm, n- I'm not going to spend the time studying. I'm not going to build and work on that relationship with Christ. I'm just going to live my life, and because I made a profession of faith one day, I should be A-OK. Hang out with my church friends. Yeah, I'll go to church on Wednesday night, and I'll sing the songs, or I won't sing the songs, or, you know, I will pay attention or won't pay attention. And we treat it like this thing that's just like, well, every once in a while, I'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. And then when stuff happens, and the schemes of the devil are, are beginning to take foot in our lives, all of a sudden, we're, up, we're upset, and we're confused, and we don't know what's going on, and we blame God. Right. And it's like Scripture, I mean, all through Scripture, is telling us, prepare. There's sch- he's scheming. He's, he's coming after you. He's here to kill you. Mm-hmm. And he's an angel of light. He just, he, he just, as you're saying, he's scheming. Scheming yeah. means that he's working behind the scenes. Right. There are lay strings traps. being pulled. He is laying traps <laughs> for you to walk into. Right. right? It's, it's never as obvious as as we think it's going to be um, in the temptation that's laid before us. And, and uh, being a pastor for, you know, like uh, we've said before, uh, talked about being a pastor for uh, almost 21 years and, you know, doing a lot of counseling. When I counsel people who have wrecked their life, 
through sin, you know, one of the common thing things that I hear is the shock of how they got to where they were. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how I even ended up in this place. Yeah, how did I get to the bottom of this pit? And, and, and you know, I, I just want to warn us that, well, how we got there was <laughs> the <laughs> Satan's crafty. He is an angel. He disguises himself. And as they were warning about false prophets, he's warning that they are sons of the angel of light. Yeah. I, I think it's important to understand our par- the role that we play in this, too. You know, it's, sure. not, it's yeah. not just that God is like, here, if life's going well, it's because of me. And if life's going bad, it's there is a part that we play in this in that we have to diligently work towards pursuing righteousness. Right. right. It, it is something we have to pursue. It's an endeavor for us in our lives. And mm-hmm. to choose not to do that is the slow decline of ultimately ending up in the place where the devil's like, I've been working on you for a while. Yeah. And you didn't resist. And here we are. I, I think of the Proverbs where it says, seek, for, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Right. And when we stop pursuing that and seeking that as pr- pr- primary in our life, then yeah. we kick open windows and doors for Satan to come in and set these traps. Right. Seek is an action that we must perform. Another name for uh, the enemy of God is the evil one. Matthew 13 uh, and 19, 19 says this. Anyone who hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, uh, snatches away what has been sown in his heart. Um, you know, this is kind of the parable of the seeds, right? Mm-hmm. That, you know, we see this in that parable where some of it fell on rocky ground and some of it got eaten by the birds and right. you know that seed the seed meaning like the truth of the gospel really right and satan does everything he can to snatch that away from a person uh when they hear it right. not just satan but his demons so one thing i want to make clear as we talk about satan I, I actually this is for free i didn't have it in the notes <laughs> and that is um he is not omnipresent he right. doesn't have that p- power that god has to be omnipresent so right. he's not that but he has a legion of of demons that do the same thing he does. Right. They have the same goals. They act in the same way. They disguise themselves exactly like it. They mimic him and Im- imitate him. But their goal is to ex- to to remove the gospel from a lost person, heart and understanding. Right. The goal is the same as as yeah. Satan's. Um, verse sixteen again, Ephesians six, in connection with the armor of God in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith that you may extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. <clears throat> Again, he is actively attacking. First uh, John five nineteen. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The world, everything about. And when we talk about the world, it's talking about the, the philosophy of the world, right? That's, the the secularism it's not just talking about people of the world although god i mean satan uses people of the world to right um push his agenda push his deception here we go uh the next one is the tempter uh matthew 4 3 again going back to when jesus and satan appears to him in the um the the wilderness and he says the tempter came and said to him that's how it describes Satan in that moment. He calls him the tempter. <laughs> Came to Jesus. Je- 
the boldness of Satan <coughs> to think that he could tempt and trick and dece- deceive the Son of God, God himself in flesh, that he could deceive him to follow him or to, to even relinquish his power. Right. You know, that just shows you the boldness and the veracity that he operates in. Yeah, yeah, he's r- ruthless, relentless. <coughs> Another term for him is the God of this world or the God of this age, Second Corinthians 4.4. 4. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel and the glory of, Je- of Christ, who is the image of God. Again, he's constantly distracting, blinding. I love how in one sense they call him the angel of light. <laughs> Too much light does what? It blinds us right. from what we can see in our per- perception. And that's exactly what he's trying to do, blind them from the truth of the gospel. Um, 1 Timothy 4, now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to the deceitful spirits and the teachings of the demons. So again, he is grabbing people, even believers, away from the truth. You know, he's the God of this age and the God of this world. Uh, another term for him is prince and power of the uh, prince of the power of the air. It's a long title, uh, but we see that in Ephesians uh, two two, and it says, "In which we once walked, following the c- the course of this world, following," and this is the description of Satan, the prince of the power of the air, that he is has power and dominion on this world uh, or in this world, not over the world but in the world the spirit that has now that is now at work in the sons of disobedience so he's, he's saying these guys directing the sons of disobedience he is drawing people to himself away from God um, in verse 12 uh, Ephesians six twelve. many of you are familiar with this but I feel like we're familiar with this verse but we don't believe it I feel like we are familiar with this verse and have heard it quoted, but we uh, kind of sh- go, yeah, 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 yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, sure. Got it. And this is it. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle but, uh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil that are in the heavenly places. And I feel like we forget there is a spiritual side of this world well, we see the physical no one wants to talk about the the uh the spiritual no one wants to talk about uh what we can't see mm-hmm. you know and i think one reason is we're embarrassed we feel like oh yeah we're telling people we believe in ghosts <laughs> right yeah which is <laughs> funny because everybody loves to go do ghost tours you know yeah but the idea of this paranormal spiritual thing is out there and when it's not related to Satan and the demons it's cool but when you relate it to Satan demons and the struggles between angels God's angels and the demons people don't want to talk about that you know right that's that's weird can you you really believe that yeah seriously come on (laughs) you know so but the scripture is pointing that out that we're not our, our wrestle, our battle is not with just the flesh, the blood, the physical, what we can see. 
there's a battle waging in our hearts and for our spiritual soul. And uh, so Satan is constantly coming after us. <clears throat> Revelation 12, 7. Now a war rose in heaven, and Michael, his an- Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, which is another name for Satan. And the dragon and his angels fought back. And ultimately it goes on to say that they were thrown to the earth. So this is real. It's not like some made-up story, fairy tale. And I think that's what another thing. When they talk about the dragon, they kind of equate that to some kind of fairy tale because we heard yeah, about that. You know, about? You know, what are you talking about? Um, lastly, uh, the prince of power of the air, uh, John twelve thirty one. Now, th- now is the judgment of the world. Now the ruler of the world will be cast out. So the ruler of the world will have a day of punishment and destruction. I feel like we're out of time. I hate that. I knew we had a lot to talk about yeah. today. Yeah. But, man, we've been talking for a little while. And so in the uh, reverence for your time <laughs> and, and just the respect that we have for you guys and our listeners, we're going we're gonna to do, the, for the first time ever, split one episode into two episodes. So we're going to have a part two. We're going to cut, cut this on uh, society. I, I just have said it three or four times you the love wrong to way. Say it that way. I know. Satan, hell, and society. We're going to do part two of that, okay? So we're going to break here. We just finished Satan part. So I want to really come back for part two, and we're going to unpack hell and then what it means for us and how we move forward. Because right. I just feel like I can't get that in this one episode. So appreciate your understanding, and uh, we're going to bring that back so that we can uh, do a really good, thorough job of talking through this topic because it's so important, and I don't want to just – just rush through it. So anyway, thank you for being with us today for episode two of season two, Satan, Hell, and Society. And uh, follow us on social media. Uh, we'll put in the show notes, um, like I said, the book onward so you can see what that looks like. And um, we'll also always include the Foundations book too so you know how to have a resource to have a consistent, quiet time to walk with the Lord. So um, anyway, thanks for being with us today. We so much appreciate you guys and look forward to having you guys for part two of Satan, Hell, and Society.